0: This is the Bob McCowan podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and Sportsbook app today. McCowan's over there. Shannon's right here. We will be talking. Uh, well, you know what? We talk lots of things with Adnan Verk. We're going to talk baseball. Wouldn't be surprised if we talk about the Golden Globes. Wouldn't be surprised if we talk about uh, Oscar nominated movies coming up. And then he's, for some reason, Bob, he's a Philadelphia Eagles fan, which I don't understand. And he's got to be in panic mode because the Eagles are in trouble. Um, but we'll talk to Ed Dan today, but other than that, there's no news going on. The A NBA whole bunch NBA. of
1: stuff <laughs> happening. Are you kidding? <laughs> yep.
0: I mean, Pete Boston Carroll's news. gone. As the, Pete Carroll's gone as the coach of the Seahawks. Uh, Nick Saban's leaving Alabama. And, uh, we're taping this, uh, Thursday morning, but by Thursday afternoon, Bill Belichick will no longer be the head coach, uh, of the, uh, New England Patriots. So it's, uh, it's a crazy time in yeah. in sports, period, isn't it?
1: Well, it is. And of lesser note, I suppose our friend Keith uh, Pally will take over as the chairman of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. He'll leave uh, as the head of the uh, European Golf Tour in order to take this job. And he seems to be, you know, this is a perfect kind of thing for him. Although this is a job that has had very little profile the past 10 years or so, I don't think that will stay the same. Well, he likes uh, to talk. He likes the media generally. So I think he'll be in it and he'll have his opinion uh, voiced. Okay. So there's... uh,
0: uh... Do you want to talk about Pele after and do the Pele discussion after we do Adnan in, in the close?
1: I don't give I couldn't care less. Whatever you okay. like,
0: Because I think I, I think it, it it begs a longer discussion because I think that there's lots to digest with that. Um. But are you surp- are, are you surprised at, at Saban? Are you surprised at? Well, um, you can I'm never be. I'm, I'm not surprised about the two pro guys. I'm not. Winning no. and losing is, is. But I'm. But this was a. This could be a job. For a lot longer than life, in Alabama, saving, early seventies, Bob.
1: Well, you know, I think that's the issue, isn't it? He's not going anywhere as he? he's going to retire.
0: Yeah, well, but but football coaches, <laughs> college football coaches, have lasted longer than early seventies. Well, I
1: understand, but not all of the, them the, do.
0: The only the, the one thing I would suggest, and and you might have a better feel for this than me, um, is. The landscape of college football is making a huge shift you know it's going back it's going away from you know having recruiting classes and once you sign a player he's on scholarship and there's very little opportunity for um, to move uh, for players to move yeah but now with the transfer portal and uh, the the Nil programs um, f- football is going to be a lot more competitive and this is probably a really good time to get out don't you think
1: well i think so especially if you're you know you've been in the program for many years as he has and you have a way of doing things and now all of a sudden they're telling you you have to change right that you have to to change
0: it's it's not a question of having to change because the rules have changed you have to change to compete right exactly Uh, and that's that. That that is a fascinating storyline to to look at. So let me ask you this: Well, we're all uh, creatures know
1: you... of habit, though, right? And, so there and... are people who will say, maybe saving is one of them. I've been doing it this way for you know fifty years. I don't want to do it another way,
0: particularly when you're old, right, Bob? Especially when you're old. <laughs> um. So let me ask you this. A hundred years from now, we're going to be uh, sitting around, having a coffee, doing a podcast. And uh, I'm going to ask you the question, best coach in Alabama history, Nick Saban or Bear Bryant?
1: Oh, Bear Bryant.
0: Seriously, come on now. No.
1: Well, don't ask me if you already have an opinion and you don't. Well, I, have an well,
0: I have an opinion. Well, obviously, you
1: think it's Saban. Uh,
0: I do. I do think it's Saban. I I do think he he's he's a better coach. But what what was what was it that made Bryant so good? Well, I don't know. Um, obviously, he was a great recruiter.
1: Anybody at Alabama would be. Um, but he also he basically he invented things. You know, the running game was a key for Alabama back in the, those days, and uh, you know uh, an eye offense, things like that are basically things that he invented. He didn't take them. He maybe maybe got them from somewhere else, a few things. But Alabama was an initiator of uh, new offense, even passing. You know, they say that, you know, back in those days, running backs were the key thing. And it wasn't rare for a passer to throw less than 10 passes in a game. But when he had the opportunity, you know, he had great passing quarterbacks too. He allowed them to pass when he had to.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, at the top of, Joe Namath would be at the top of that list, right? Right at the
1: top. Yep. And that would be in the 1960s, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. 64, I think. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it, I, I, because I, I do think at some point that argument will. Happen. That will be a discussion point. Bear Bryant or Nick Saban? Maybe. Uh, yeah. You know, All I right. had the hey, great, yeah.
1: pri- I had the great privilege of interviewing Mr. Bryant. Yes. Uh, in Tuscaloosa, I flew down there, and he was, uh, he was very open. A wonderful guy. You could tell and though. Yet,
0: it, and yet, his image wasn't that he was a wonderful guy. He was no. I know <laughs> it was.
1: Yeah. And I think he liked that too. He liked being yeah. considered you know, the king, and he was the king. This is a guy who came to work, like on a, I guess it was a Friday morning or Thursday morning, with a police escort and their lights going. On either side of his limousine, there were cop cars, and
0: that's how he came to work every day. College football in the southeast, Bob, it's magical. It's um, big. Hey, listen, a- a- Adnan's waiting. We better get going. We're okay, let's baseball go. And you, never know, you never know what we're going to talk about. Adnan Virk next on the McCowan podcast.
2: Hi, this is Bob McCowan for betrivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options and get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at one 866 531 2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge betrivers.com
0: welcome back to the podcast McCowan's there shannon here adnan verk who you know basically got invented uh, for our show on radio and television not as a sports guy but as our movie critic uh but uh has done okay with the sports stuff too hey adnan you're uh, you're you're in, you're in cruise control You baseball free agency you're going to have to give us what your thoughts are on that. I guess the Cubs have dipped their toe in and uh, things are, uh, are things heating up or are things just going to be this way and little drips until spring training starts?
3: Yeah, it's been a slow boil so far. Always good to see you, John. Of course, Bob, welcome back. Good to see you as well. You know, I think what's happened is it's been a remarkably slow free agency. You know, we've seen this the last few years where, you know, in the past November, a couple of guys would sign the December winter meetings is a really busy time. And then things would slow down, but you know, with Scott Boris, who who represents so many of these clients, you know, he's unafraid to kind of play the, the slow play and just kind of draw this thing out, wait till spring training. And it's a fascinating conversation because, you know, I was asking Steve Phillips, a former Mets general manager, does this favor the player or the team? Because there's so many names, like you said, that are still out there. Blake Snell, Cody Bellinger among others. And he said, you know, it depends. Uh, Steve goes, sometimes as a GM, I would start to get antsy because I'd say there's an A, B and C plan. And once A and B are gone, I'd want to get C done. So he goes, I would start to get antsy if I didn't have my guy and I might have an overpay. But at the same time, it, I would think it hurts the players more so because you start to look around, there's a supply versus demand issue. Let's look at Bellinger specifically. So the Cubs and the Blue Jays are the most interested suitors we would believe and you know, I look at his numbers, and I was talking to Harold Reynolds about it, my tag team partner, and he said hey, he made twenty million dollars. He wants to raise to twenty five. He goes, like, I think he's five for one twenty five. You know, five for one thirty maybe. And I was like, okay. I said, but Boris is going to want seven for two ten. He said, yeah, that's outrageous. He said, this guy, he's a really good player. He's a former MVP, but he had three bad years and he had one great bounce back here. But is he all the way back? I'm not one hundred percent sure. So that's a pretty wide gulf between one twenty five and two ten, if those are the numbers that are out there. So. Eventually, specifically in that situation, he's trying to get the Cubs, the Blue Jays to pony up. But if there's not enough other suitors, you know, how is the price going to go up? And if one of those teams eventually the Blue Jays, you know, we're just going to punt, we're just not going to do this. And the Cubs to at a reduced rate, it doesn't end up hurting the player. So the good news is the biggest guy out there, Otani did sign, you know, just after the winter meetings. Uh, that was obviously a massive deal. The Yankees getting subtle, I think, is fantastic for New York. That's exactly the guy they needed. He's an absolute stud. He's got one year till free agency. He's going to get three fifty-four million million, $400 million. And I think he's going to have a spectacular season when you pair with Aaron Judge. And unfortunately for the Blue Jays, obviously they missed out on Otani. We were all following a certain airplane. Didn't work out the way we wanted it to. And Isaiah kind of Falefa, I mean, that's uh, with all respect, it's been un- uninspiring so far for Toronto. What do you, what do you think
1: uh, the impact of the Otani deal was? You so know, I, 70 million bucks. Nobody's going to get anything close to that. But did it raise the bar significantly?
3: I don't think so, Bob. I think that's an outlier. I think that's one of those that you say. "All agree. right, Otani right? Ohtani is the unicorn that he is going to demand something out of the stratosphere. But that doesn't lift everybody else up. Nobody says, okay, well, if Otani's worth that much, you know, Bellinger gets X, Y, and Z. I don't think it works that way. I'm still stunned by the price, Bob. I remember, again, talking with Harold about it. And we said... He said at one point, he goes, if he's fully healthy, I think he gets 700. And then once he got hurt, we all know it's Tommy John. They don't want to call it Tommy John. He said it feels more like like minimum 10 for 500, maybe 550, 600. I said, yeah. I said, I could see 12 for 600, 12 for 550 feels right. And then to see 10 for 700, I mean, my eyes popped out of my head. I said, considering this guy's injury history and the fact you're going to be a two-time Tommy John guy, there's very few players who have been able to pitch still at a high level, Nathan Evaldi among them. But I'm not kidding, fellas. When I say it's single digits. So I I would be very skeptical that Otani is going to go back and give you five good years as a pitcher. It's just not going to happen. I think it might be three good years as a pitcher and then two average years as a pitcher, and then that's it, then five more years as a hitter. Um, but as far as the contract itself, it's fascinating the way it was deferred. When I saw he's getting $2 million a year, I thought it was a joke. I said, that that can't possibly be true. Why? Who on earth would defer $68 million a year out of a $70 million a year contract? But it goes to show that he clearly cares about winning. He knows the Dodgers can then use that money to go get other players, which is exactly what they did by Yanni Yamamoto, who's supposed to be a stud. That price got raised. Originally, we thought that might be eight for 240, ends up being north of 300, just eclipsing Garrett Cole at 325. And they couldn't make that deal unless Otani agreed to the deferral. So, not only is he a spectacular player, but he's a good teammate because he was willing to take less money, at least at this point. He'll get his money eventually so they could sign Yamamoto. So I, I think the big story of the offseason has been, one, not a lot of activity, but the activity is all coming out of Los Angeles because they yeah, got I, Otani. I, they got Yamamoto and Tyler Glass now, John's a great trade.
0: With the, it, but it, did, I, it has surprised me that um, there hasn't been much news after the two Japanese players signed. Yeah, I I think there I think there was a a real expectation after both Otani and Yamamoto signed that we would get some closure with a Cody Bellinger. Yeah, Uh, and and it and and why it hasn't happened obviously because teams aren't prepared to pay those kind of dollars with inflated dollars at this point, and they're just gonna have to wait. And and do you think there's a chance in all of this, Adnan, that guys are gonna be forced to take one year deals again? Like do yeah. a one, you know, I mean, a lot, we've seen that a lot recently. It'll yeah. It, yep.
3: And it's true. What happens is fellas, like sometimes the guy does get paid. Like I think Bellinger's going to get his money. Blake Snell, Josh Hader, uh, Jordan Montgomery. I think it's going to do very well. Like those four specifically are big name free agents. But I look at a guy like JD Martinez, who was an all-star this year, had a really good bounce back year with the Dodgers. And he's probably looking for a multi-year deal in his mid thirties, but he might be a guy that goes, you know what? I was hoping for two for 30, but I'll just take a one for 15. Um, Right. You know, that, you know, those mid-tier guys, Justin Turner had an excellent year with the Red Sox. I was surprised how robust he was offensively. Most guys want a two or three-year deal, of course, especially veteran guys like that in their 30s. But they're going to look around and go, okay, you know what? Higher AAV, one-year deal. If that's what it has to be, then I'll take it. But you're right, John. Ultimately, it comes down to the players asking prices are too high for the owners. And the other part is this. This isn't just the owners being, you know, skittish when it comes to spending big money. There's this whole issue of the RSNs, which again, people could explain it smarter than me, but the regional sports networks, there was so much money that was coming in that was really influx for those teams. And for certain teams, they're not sure where that money is going to be if and when it is even coming, right? Like some of it's owned by Sinclair and Major League Baseball might take over some of that. So if you start to look around and go, okay, we've got this money from attendance, this money from merchandising, this money from uh, revenue sharing, but this television money that we were expecting from our local television isn't as high, you do have to make some adjustments. And I think some teams are dealing with that.
1: Uh, you haven't mentioned, you didn't mention Chapman, the Blue Jays third baseman. What yeah. do you think, what is the situation with him? Do you think, do you think he's asking for too much? Do you think he's a long-term guy or is he, you know, this is the best defensive third baseman in the game. What do you think of him?
3: It's a great question, Bob, because I'm with you. His defense is amazing. And, you know, for years, Arnada was the best defensively. And then he had a step back this year. So he actually didn't win a gold glove, which was shocking because it was always a perennial thing. So you can certainly make a case for Chapman being as good defensively as any other third baseman. But offensively, it really fell off a cliff after May 1st. I mean, that April, he looked like he was in the MVP conversation. Oh, yeah. And after, right? And after that, had like a 660 OPS. Like, he was terrible. So I think when teams look at Chapman, you go, okay, elite defense. He's a three-war player. He's going to hit me 20 to 25 home runs at least. But he's probably hitting 210. Like, I I need a little more to that. And he doesn't walk a ton. He strikes out a lot. So I think, again, his contract probably feels like about five years for 100 which, you know, to me, that's that's a good going rate for a guy who's, again, great defensively and, and does those things, $20 million a year. But his asking price might be a little bit higher than that. Maybe he's looking for $120, $125. Maybe he's looking for seven years rather than five. But to me, I think Chapman, if I see five for 100 from a team, I think it's pretty good. If I got five for 90 I think that's really good value for the team. But he, he looks like, to me, a $20 million player a year on this market at this time.
0: Can you imagine paying a guy uh, $20 million a year and hit south of... 225 yeah i mean
3: seriously come on yeah was a time what what is going
0: on in the what is going on in the
3: sport i'm with you as lifelong baseball fans as we all are there was a time a couple years ago it was early in the season i get it everyone says well it's cold you know the the bats will heat up once the weather gets warmer blah 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 but i looked and i said i can't be this guy i can't remember the player was but i he's hitting 237 they go no that's above average i go what the league average at that time in the American League, June first, was 235. And I go, that is just appalling. Like I, I would love to see. And there's been so many great things with baseball. I love the the pitch clock. I think it's done great wonders for the game. I love the fact that we had different teams in the World Series. But if I have any even greater wish, it's that 250 was league average. Like to me, if there's yeah. gonna be a lot of strikeouts in the game, like I get that. Guys strike up. They want to hit home runs. I understand that. The sabermetrics approve of a three on home run. But I'm with you, man. If, if I'm paying you 20 million dollars a year, you gotta hit 250. I think I think that's that's a fair, reasonable argument.
1: Can you tell me what is the point of having a hitting
3: coach in major league baseball? <laughs> what is the point? It's a great question, Bob. You know, Sean Casey's a buddy of mine, was a great hitter for years of the Reds, a, you know, lifetime 300 hitter. He worked with us at MLB network, I think almost since the inception. And then I was at the all-star game and then I saw, I was talking to Yonder Alonso, one of our, our colleagues. And he says, how about case? And I go, what happened? Cause he's going to the Yankees. I'm like, what is he playing again? Like, is he like Gordy Howe?" He goes, no, he's going to be the new hitting coach. And I said, wow. And I called him immediately And I said, what are you doing? Like, this is a great job. You got a TV job, man. This is the best job in the business. You get to come here, talk TV, work 80 days a year, go back to your family. You're going to go on the road. He goes, listen, it's the Yankee pinstripes. He's very tight with Aaron Boone. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I said, basically your question, Bob. I said, but like, how much do hitting coaches have an impact? He goes, well, listen, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to, I'm going to say what I feel. I'm going to make my piece. I'm like, okay, cool. Fast forward three months later, of course, the Yankees did not make the playoffs, finished above 500. Sean made the difficult decision to step aside with the Yankees. He said, I want to spend more time with my family. He's got four kids. He's going to be back with the MLB Network, which is great news for us. But when I asked him about the experience overall, he said it, it clearly wasn't what he was expecting. He's now, it was a fun experience. Again, he adores Aaron Boone and they're close, and, and it, it was a difficult decision because it is the Yankees. But this not, is not a time, Bob, from 10, 20 years ago, the hitting coach would sit down with a guy and go through video. And now a lot of guys have their own hitting coach. Like, they just have their own guy. Like, Aaron, Aaron right. Judge is his own guy, right? So, Sean Casey could give input, but Judge is kind of like, hey, thanks for the advice, but I already got a guy. Okay. And he, he told me stories about working with Giancarlo Stanton. And Stanton would be like, okay, like, I understand what you're saying, but I'm just going to do it my way. So, <laughs> it's it's tricky. Like, it's 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 not that the players are disrespectful. I just think that they don't have necessarily a certain appreciation for hitting coaches. I think it might help, Bob, with younger players. Like Case told me, and Anthony Volpe the Yankees was receptive to listening. Uh, D.J. LeMahieu, who's a veteran player, was receptive to listening and did did listen. But you're right. I mean, by and large, hitting coaches do not have the same influence I think they had 20 years ago.
0: Right. We've also seen just the, the growth of people on the bench. I mean, you know, we're all of a vintage where we remember – there was a in football there was a head coach a defensive coordinator an offensive coordinator now you've got yeah. 20 guys and and we're starting to see that on in in baseball i mean look at the jays um you know they they've had some issues so they don't make changes they just add two more guys
3: <laughs> yeah you're right it's perplexing john like i was watching i was back home over the holidays in Maple, visiting my parents i went to a wedding and uh i was just talking with my old friends he goes, hey you got to say how to sit six zero for me. I said, yeah, of course. You know, my old buddy from the score. Yeah, he goes, you know, we had an epic rant against the Blue Jays. Said, well, everybody was upset about that. So we started reliving the entire episode. And I, to your point, I said, it's amazing to me. John Schneider still has the job. And he started laughing. I go like, I remember watching that game going like you pull Barrios after three, even though he's on cruise control against his former team. You bring in Kikuchi, who isn't as sharp. Vlad picked off second. Bo bad base running. And they didn't like nothing happened. Like they tried to send Otani, which I appreciate the effort. Didn't happen. But John Schneider is still the manager Everyone tried to blame him or then said it was the the you know front office. Ross Atkins says, No, it wasn't me. It was all John Schneider's decision. Yeah. And like you said, they don't do anything. Like I, I I would be so frustrated as a Toronto Blue Jays fan. They go, We were underachievers at 89 wins. We haven't added anybody of impact in free agency. And in terms of our management, it's the exact same thing. But hey, we got great renovations. Congrats on the Rogers Center never looking better.
1: Yeah, and worse yeah, than not, they went out for Otani. Right. You know, and uh, they they raised the bar as far as the fans were concerned, as to what they might be. And and they might get this guy. They don't get him, and then they take that whatever they had put aside for him, and they don't spend it. So,
3: you know, they pissed their fans off, too. No, you nailed it, Bob. Someone said that to me. They said, well, if the Blue Jays are willing to spend $600 million on Otani, clearly they had the money to get other guys. And I said, but it doesn't work that way. They, they feel like we'll earmark this only this generational player, one of the greatest players exactly. in the, the sport, but we're not going to go, Oh, 600. Okay. We'll give 200 to Bellinger, uh, 200 to Snell. They got hundred for Hader. Like, great. And we got the best closer, best pitcher, best. doesn't work that way. No, I know, they, but they, they have, they, hold on.
0: They, 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 they've got somebody, somebody has to figure out if they're going to give money to their first baseman and their shortstop too, though. Right. I mean, and this is, this is part of the other issue. If you, if, I mean, the it was so public how much money was at stake and the Jays were prepared to go so far. And in the next 24 months, doesn't something have to happen with Bichette and Guerrero?
3: I'm with you, John. You know, my mom is not a particularly savvy sports fan, but I was kind of telling her about the Otani stuff. And her first, just, again, a woman who does not follow sports says to me, well, the other players going to want more money too, right? I'm like, bingo, mom. Exactly. Vlad Jr. is going to go, wait, if he's worth 600, I can get my 300. And I think when in, in talking to Blue Jays fans and people that cover the team, it feels like Bo Bichette in many ways is the heartbeat of the team, right? I think people generally appreciate Bo. He's an excellent hitter. His defense is all right. He's a little banged up last year, but generally he's durable. He's great down the stretch, and you feel like he's, if not a vocal leader, he's a guy the players certainly look to. Vlad's the one that's fascinating because when I talk to fans, you know there's such rancor and frustration around him because he teased us with that superhuman season, and other than that, looks like a good player but not a great player. And he's a guy who we thought was going to be a great player because of his dad where he was drafted, et cetera. So I, I'm with you. I think it's fascinating. I think for Bichette, you know, at least they bought out those few years of free agency. But right. I mean, minimum, if you look at the market, Bo Bichette is eight years for 250. Vlad's going to be at least that probably wants 300. Like, I mean, I don't even know if those are conservative numbers, but let's let's say conservatively, those guys are costing you half a billion dollars. And like you said, you got two years to get that done. The longer well, you, you wait, the thought- more it's going to take.
1: Yeah, you thought Vlad would be in that category. If he has another year like last year, there's no way, in my opinion, he gets that kind of money. He becomes right. uh, a different kind of player. He's not a top bar guy that everybody will be after. He's the kind of guy either you like him or you don't.
3: Yeah, I think well, you're right, Bobby. You do have to in... wonder.
0: You gotcha. do have to wonder that the 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 47 home run year was the outlier.
3: Right, and it I think that's what elk. you have to start to accept. You go, hey, he's a good player. Like no one's disputing that, but he's not a great player. He's not the one season we had. I'll give you a comp for it. It's Pete Alonzo. You know Alonso's a guy who every year is putting up forty plus home runs. Now his defense is shaky, uh, but he drives in a ton of runs, and he's a guy like he's your old school Dave Kingman, forty homers, hundred RBI. Didn't hit high for average last year. Again, he's the only guy hit like two thirty. Like, dude, can he hit at least two sixty? Like, help me out a little bit. But regardless, you know he's got one year left on his deal. And the Mets apparently were thinking, hey, look at Freddie Freeman's contract. Freddie Freeman's as good as it gets. He's top three MVP, right? I think he's at six for 160, something like that. He's 27.5 million a year. And so if you said to Alonzo, how about six for 180? And his camp apparently was saying, no, no, we are your Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge with the Yankees got sixty million million over nine years. That's the kind of money Alonzo wants. And they're saying, no, 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 first baseman get paid a certain rate. Judge is different. Judge is the outlaw. So Freeman and Paul Goldschmidt, another example. First baseman is a very good player, great player, won MVP. He's more than that thirty million dollars a year range. So I think you're right for Vlad. If he has another type year that he just had, he feels like six for one eighty at best. Well, and 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 Steve Cohen
0: has given absolutely no leverage to his management team, no matter who the general manager is, because right. he's overspent so many other times for for players.
3: Right. And that's that's the danger is the player starts to go, hang on a second. So you're willing to spend big money for Scherzer and Verlander. These guys who are clearly past the in their 40s, doesn't work out, you flip them. But I've been loyal to the organization from day one. And Ron great. Darling said to me, of course, Ron is one of my favorite colleagues in the be Network, great pitcher with 86 Mets and all the rest of it. He said to me, the time to sign Alonso was after that first year. When he hit 53 home runs, you go, let's lock this up right now. Right? Julio Rodriguez and the Mariners. One great year. Halfway through, they go, let's just get this done right now. 10 years, 240. Like let's just do this now. Because the longer you wait, the more the player gets greedy. Now, in the case of Vlad, maybe it's hurt the player because he hasn't been as good, so maybe the Jays were smart in not extending him, but Bichette's going to be costly. So it's going to be interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. but do, do you, don't you think the Blue Jays how, will ultimately have to decide between the two of them? They won't be able to sign both of them. Or I they think won't so. want to. Wow. I
3: don't, yeah, the, the second answer is the key, Bob. They don't want to. I, I think they could, as we all know, but I don't think, yeah. they I think they want to. I think they want to go... Who is the guy that's really the cornerstone here? And where can we supplement? Because Chapman doesn't feel like he has a strong sense of returning. You know, I read the other day, maybe the Giants could be interested in him. That's a pitcher's park. He plays elite defense that helps their pitching staff. He can hit some home runs. So, like, they, they don't want to go and get guys like that anymore. So, I think you're right. I think ideally it's 60 40. They keep Bichette and not Vlad. Like, I think there's a better, if, if you give me three options. I agree. Right. If you said to me they signed Bichette, they signed Vlad, or they signed both. I think it's the first, I think they signed Bichette and flag is traded at some point.
0: And, and I, I think that mm-hmm. is an indicator that there has been a shift, uh, even amongst how the team plays is the Bichette has become that much more valuable. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and even that much more, and i and it's difficult from the outside to say, but that much more of a leader. Yeah. You, you know, you can, you can, you can see that. Were you surprised that Kiermaier signed for the year?
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, he's a guy who he gives you his obviously great defense and he's well liked and he's certainly been around for a while. And, and he's not certainly expensive. You know, that's one of the things I like about him is that you have to start to try to find value. And I think that's that's the important part of it. And with the Blue Jays, you know, I look at his numbers at 265, eight home runs, 36 RBI. Like, you know, he's fine. Like he's a guy who's who's gonna give you elite defense and he's gonna hit a little bit. And again, that contract, one year, 10.5 million dollars, like that. That's perfectly reasonable for me. So I think is a guy, there were some rumors he might be going to the Yankees. He'd be good for them in a one-year deal, help their outfield defense. But for him to win a gold glove last year, hit a little bit, Like I, I think that makes sense. That that works out for both sides.
1: The problem with the Blue Jays outfield is no offense. Yeah.
0: Well, George, I, you and I have had this argument before. George Springer can still hit the ball.
1: What was you, you have George Springer's numbers in front of you?
3: Yeah, Go I'm going to look and it, know. it up. I
1: know
0: my, my buddy
3: Adnan does. I'll say this for George Springer. I think I kind of with you both. I'm with Johnny in a little bit, but I'm with you Bob, but he, he hasn't worked out the way we thought he would. I mean, No, he hasn't he, been that kind of player. He's 34 years of age. He's getting 21 million dollars a year and he hit 258, 21 home runs, 72 RBI. Like that's it's all right, but I was expecting it's okay.
1: Yeah, it's okay, it's okay, but I But if you're not getting anything in center field and you didn't. Right. I like Kiermaier, but he's not a great power hitter. Right. And you got you got very little in left field.
0: Yeah, again, Varsho. tell you what, the the pressure on Dalton Varsho this year, big time. is going to be extraordinary. Extraordinary.
3: Whenever a team underachieves, as you guys both know, somebody eventually becomes the whipping boy. Everyone starts to look at one guy. The one guy's flat. They all kill. The other one's Varsho. If I had a nickel for every time someone goes, what the hell's with this Dalton Varsho? Stop yeah. telling me how good his defense is in his three war. Like this guy's got a hit, especially because the trade the other way didn't look good. Gurriel was an all-star with the Diamondbacks. And Gabriel Moreno looks like it could be Johnny Bench. Like he was fantastic for the D-backs. You, bring, you
0: can't bring up Moreno. You can't bring that. I, know. I mean, oh my God. People
3: lose their Come minds. On. Yeah, but this is a guy in Varsho last year at 220, 20 home runs and 61 RBI. Like that is that's disappointing.
0: Yeah. Well. Uh, uh, well, they are going to have a great defensive outfield.
3: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it, but it it makes you think though about Springer, like they thought when you sign a guy for that kind of money, like again, I think it was whatever it was, six years, one thirty. Like the Mets were in on it, but the Jays had to pay a little more, which is the cost of doing business when you're in Canada. The other guy wants a right. player, right. fine. We got to pay a little bit more. We'll do that. Jin Ryu similarly. But they thought Springer would be really good. Three years in, his defense was so poor, they had to move him to a corner outfield spot. So you've got to make allowances there because his defense is suspect. He can still hit, obviously. But then Kiermaier goes there in defense, and you thought Varsha would give you both. You thought elite defensively and pretty good hitter. Instead, it's elite defensively, not much hitter.
0: We're with uh, Ed Van Verk, uh, Bob McCown, John Shannon, back after this. So we have dissected the Toronto Blue Jays outfield to a certain extent. I think there's still some concern at third base. Obviously, at second base, there's some concern. Yes. Um, no concern in no concern on the mound, though. I don't think. I mean, no, you have I, a, you
1: have maybe the best pitching staff in baseball, and, and, you, and yet your offense is so bad that it you you might not make the playoffs next year. Well, I'll be Which shocked. Ridiculous
0: to my idea. I'll be shocked if they make the playoffs.
3: I really well, there you go. It's I, true. It, it, if you look around it right now, fellas, Baltimore, terrific, right? Division champions, they're back. And they've got more players coming. Uh Jackson Holiday, Matt Holiday's kid in particular, is going to be a stud. And they've got like th- their pipeline is so rich right now. You look at their talent, it's not going anywhere. Ali Rudgman, Gunnar Henderson, et cetera. So Orioles look great. Got it. Yankees went out, and got Soto, and they're an 82-win team. Soto makes them three or four wins better. They're probably going to add a pitcher at some point. So the Yankees are between 85 and 90 wins, okay? The Rays, everyone always discounts, and they somehow win 95 games. The Red Sox traded Chris Sale, who is always injury-prone, and got back Vaughn Grissom, who could be a really good talent. I still think that they have a ways to go. But to your guys' point, the Blue Jays, they're 89 wins, and they haven't gotten any better. And this was after incredible pitching from their staff. And their offense doesn't look any better. So I'm like, to make the playoffs, like which of those teams is that? Like which of those teams are you better than? You're not better than the Orioles, the Rays, and the Yankees, as we no, currently see. I say. agree. I think I think that's
0: I think that's a key point. Hey, um, I'm gonna throw you a couple curveballs. Um, what's going on with the A's? I mean, mm-hmm. where are they where are they going to play?
3: Yeah, it looks like for this year at least, John, they're going to be at the O. Co. the Oakland Coliseum because this is the last year of their lease. But as they've okayed the deal to go to Las Vegas, that park, I don't think it'd be ready until 2027.
1: Right. That's what (laughs) I heard.
3: Right. So the question becomes, Bob, what do you do 2025, 2026? Could you convince Oakland, hey, can we just stay for a couple more years while our park gets ready? I don't think that makes sense for either side. The other option is go to Vegas in the AAA ballpark. But I think that only seats, I mean, it's triple A park. I'm going to guess six, 7,000. I don't know if they have a roof. Like, I'm not sure how that's going to work. No, it's oh, not. It's, there's no roof. There's no, no roof. roof. There. It's yeah. Nice so, it's bigger but than and no
1: 7,000. I think it's 14. Okay. So, I may be wrong, but
3: I think it's 14. But I think those are your two options. Either you have to uh, – the other option, by the way, is you talk to San Francisco. That was the third option. Either one, you beg Oakland, can we stay two more years – and let's just figure out a deal. They'll probably say, no, I would think. You go to AAA Las Vegas. Or the third option is you talk to San Francisco and figure out with the Giants, hey, when you're not at home, can we use your park and do our home games there?
0: Wow. wow. that Which would, for A's fans, would even be more of a slap in the face.
3: Right. Your when eternal you rival. It, you're going to go sit you, there. Yeah.
0: you're gonna. You're gonna we're going to force you to drive across the bridge to, <laughs> to play baseball because everything has always gone to San Francisco anything. Anyway. Correct. I
3: mean,
0: that, right. Yeah, that would, yeah, they, be, that would they, be awful. <laughs> <laughs> that would they win be the
3: awful. Yeah, they win the war in everything. You're right, John. San Francisco always beats Oakland. Everything. Like you know, just think of them culturally, financially. And then, by the way, we lost our baseball stadium. If you want to see a game, you have to go to San Francisco. Yeah,
0: that's 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 crazy.
3: Yeah.
0: So uh, it, it's and the other thing is there there are a couple teams that I think that we we disappointed with the what the Jays have done. Mm-hmm. The Giants are one of those teams too. Uh, they did make a trade with Seattle. Uh, our old, one of our old, uh, favorite guys uh, Mr. Ray is now a pitcher for the giants, Yeah, but, but the giants, you know, they're supposed to compete with the Dodgers on a regular basis. And, and are they,
3: they are, it's a real challenge because I think Farhan Zadi is a really smart guy. their president and general manager. And he made the tough decision to get rid of Gabe Kapler, uh, was a guy who was really aligned with him in terms of analytics and such. But, they just can't sign a free agent. You know, they, they made a spirited bid after Aaron Judge. Judge decided with the Yankees. They went after Carlos Correa, failed physical, et cetera. That doesn't work out. This offseason, again, Farhan Zaddi said that we offered the same money to Otani. Like, the reports for Toronto is apparently offered $600 million. the Giants, he said it was dollar for dollar. We were right there with him. We were offering $700 million, but he chose to go to Los Angeles, their, their mortal rival. So, it just hasn't worked out for them. And I think what it is is hitters don't want to hit there because it's a tough place to hit. You know, because of that wind and the park, the way it's constructed, it's tough to seduce a guy who's going to be a great hitter. And their greatest challenge is they're kind of faceless right now. You know, Buster Posey was their face for so long. Once he retired, like there's not a guy, Brandon Crawford's an, a very good player. been there a long time and now retired. Like, but if I say San Francisco giants, like who do you think of? Like I follow the sport day in, day out. So I know Logan Webb's a great pitcher. He was up with the Cy Young, but They don't have a position player that you cling to if you're a Giants fan. You're going because it's a beautiful park. You're going because it's a nice day in the Bay. You want to go check out the water, et cetera. But their attendance has also been hurt. I was surprised by this. They were like middle of the pack in attendance, maybe worse than the National League because of the fact COVID's forced so many people in the Bay to work remotely. And it's been a challenge to get a lot of workers to come back and work in person. So in San Francisco specifically, you know, before traffic was an issue, now it's not as much. There's just not as much foot traffic there. People are working remotely. To your point, John, to fight the bridge and the traffic, eh, I forget I'm not going to bother with it. So they've actually been hurt by attendance. So they they need a star, quite frankly. Like they they've lost their luster in that market, especially when you have Steph Curry in the Warriors and the number one seed, for San Francisco 49ers. So like, the Giants, they really need some help right now. That's not good. when your attendance is middle of the pack, and fans are finding other things to do. They need a star player. that haven't been able to sign one yet. So they're going to have to overpay and try to get somebody, but it's been a challenge. The other, the other option is we'll just fortify your pitching and go, okay, fine. If we can't get a great position player, we'll hit somehow, but we'll get those pitchers. You mentioned Robbie Ray. He's going to be unavailable for Tommy John for most of the year, but he should be back in August, September. This is a guy who won a Cy Young. So if the Giants are in the mix, he can put them over the top. Maybe he can be a difference maker.
0: You know, and we've seen this in the, in the national league West. I mean, San Diego tried to, overspend and 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 compete with the Dodgers and that ended up being a flop too so it's it's almost like the Dodgers have set the bar so high I don't know how any anybody in that division can compete with them
3: yeah I don't think so either you know I I was really drinking the San Diego because I want to be able to say I was going to San Diego for the World Series and just go check out that wonderful city in October but as you said it blew up in their face that all that collection of talent you know they collected their team like a fantasy team and it still wasn't able to work out because too many guys were just not on the same page. You know, Manny Machado was underwhelming. Tatis still had a really good season. Soto was great. Their pitching was really good, which is surprising. You know, Snell won a Cy Young, and yet they were never on the same page. And and especially like their five through nine, those other hitters just weren't nearly as good as their star players were. So, they spent, they spent as much as they could. The late Peter Siler, their owner, unfortunately passed away last year that that believed was to be part of the reason they were spending so much was Peter wanted to win at all costs, you know, can't take it with you kind of thing, but that didn't work out. So they're, they're going to have to make some moves. They also did that with Soto. Got a pretty good return in terms of pitching that came back. They're going to lose Snell to free agency. But it's the Dodgers, and it's and it's funny. You start to look at their win total, and people are saying 120 wins, which is mind-boggling to think about. But with that kind of talent, I mean, uh, it seems a little high to me, but the, the, they're the best team in baseball right now.
1: And we aren't even talking about Arizona. Yeah. You know, we're talking about the, the West and and we're discounting them completely. Great. Right. This was a World Series we, team last year. Yeah.
0: I think we forget sometimes that they're
3: still in Major League Baseball. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. they They make the World Series and they were a good team, not a great team. They got hot at the right time. And I think right. more teams are going to copy that philosophy and say, "Hey, we don't have to win the division. Like we don't have to spend and win 100 games. Like, it's fine. Let's just get 88 wins. That that should be the goal. 87, 88 wins. Let's get in there and get hot at the right time. The Phillies did that the year previously as a wild card team. Oh. So it, it hasn't been incentivized as much for the division champions. You know, they don't. The way the playoff formats worked out is it's you've had these wild card winners. And again, as a fan, it's fun to see different teams in the World Series. I know Fox would love to see Yankees, Dodgers every year, but. Rangers-D-backs are certainly different. Texas is a good fan base. They win their first World Series ever. But, uh, yeah, it's easy to forget about Arizona. By the way, that circles back to the Jays' conversation
0: because if they get 88 and get in the playoffs, they're going to say the exact same thing. They're going to say, you know, yeah. if we once we get in. And, and we all said that. Last two years, I remember Bob and I had John Gibbons on a lot. And and John, all John would say is, guys, if they just get in the playoffs with that pitching staff, they can do something. Yeah. Uh, and, and the problem yeah, was – was- No, but but that was when they started to screw around with the pitching staff.
1: Well, I know, but still. (laughs) You know, you you can get in the playoffs, maybe, but you got to be hot at the right time. And your guys have to produce. And the Blue Jays found a way consistently over the past while to lose. And uh, it's not a question of the other teams being great. It's a question of the Blue Jays finding a way to screw it up.
3: Yeah, Yeah, and... and It's funny because John's right. They had that label, kind of like the Phillies. They're the team you don't want to face because they can get hot. They're scary. But eventually results matter, right? Eventually you just go, hey, I I know it could happen, but it didn't. And let's not think that 89 wins will get you in because that's a tough division and it's a tougher league. It just is American League than the National League. So you got to set your sights at 95 wins. Okay,
0: before we let you go to we got to get first of all, what do you think of the Golden Wolves?
3: I enjoyed it. You know, everyone killed the host and he wasn't good, Joe Coy. But as a host, I'm I'm partial to host, as you guys should be as well. We're an endangered species. So it's important we stick up for each other. He got the job 11 days before the actual show, which is very tough. The biggest challenge I found, John, was like, when you're doing anything like that, you're going to have some friends in the room. So if I make fun of you and Bob and it's not a very funny joke, you go, well, I didn't a friend. We'll just laugh along and it's fine. He didn't really look like he had any friends in the room. If Jimmy no. Kimmel's do it right. If Jimmy Kimmel does it, makes a joke, no one likes him. Oh, it's Jimmy, it's fine, no big deal. It was like, who is this guy? And he's making fun of us. And again, if you're doing a roast type thing, it's okay to bust someone's chops, but you got to make sure you're on the same page. And clearly, it was not. Ricky Gervais, the first year he did the Golden Gloves to make fun of everybody, and they were kind of shocked, what's going on here? But the crowds loved it, and the reaction was like, this is amazing. So the second right. year, he did more of it, now they kind of knew what they were getting. But the third year, they wanted to be insulted. It's like Don Rickles. You go, wait, why aren't you insulting me? I want to get made fun of. So you have to be on the same page, and he clearly was not. And the, the, the Taylor Swift joke, which wasn't that bad, it was fairly innocuous, the way she just stared at daggers at him drinking her drink, I said, oh, my God, get him out of here. Having said that, I thought it was a good award show. Listen, it's supposed to end at 11. End at 11.04. That's pretty much on time. I enjoyed the speeches. Paul Giamatti, I adore. Of course, his father, the great Bart Giamatti, former Christian of baseball. He wins for The Holdovers. He's one of my favorite actors. That's like his third Golden Globe. He's won. Everyone should see The Holdovers. He's awesome. And my favorite movie of the year, Martin Scorsese's Killers, The Flower Moon. Lily Gladstone won Best Actress, did a beautiful speech, spoke in her native language, spoke about why it's so important for Native American actors. I thought a lot of those speeches were excellent. It was a really nice night.
0: Well, it, it, and it's you know to see television and movies still in the same room. You know, we we tend to we tend to segregate. You know, the movie guys get too snobby. The TV guys starting to think they're too important now too. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to see everybody together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did think it was kind of funny that Gervais did win the the best stand up. Yes. Uh, yeah. I thought that was great because that was yeah. kind of a reminder. I I wonder if I wonder if, with your thought, do they really need a host? Do they really, and do you really yeah. need them? I mean, you talk about going over four minutes. He yeah. talked for 10. Yeah. Hey, you, know, you know, just, let's just go. Let's just get, because people, all they want is, they want to see what everybody looks like. Yep. And they want to see the awards. That's all they want.
3: It's a fair point. Cause really all the host did in this instance was do the monologue. And his monologue, like you said, was seven to 10 minutes. after that he was gone. And then it's literally just introducing a presenter. I mean, that's 20 seconds. You can just have an announcer saying now time for right. Jared Leto and Angela Bassett. So it's, it's a fair point. Unless you're getting Billy Crystal or Ricky Gervais or somebody great, you probably don't even need. Well, that.
1: why don't the, why don't the big name guys like a Billy Crystal? I mean, I know he's older now, but uh, yeah. why do, do they have so much trouble getting a host?
0: Because people rip them. Because yeah. there's too much criticism. After, ever since David Letterman did the Uma versus Oprah thing, <laughs> it has become a it, it's become a touch point and yeah. a touch that people they they, they it, it just polarizes everybody who the host is what it's kind awful. of money
3: do they give those guys they don't get much that's the thing if you're doing it for the money i don't know what it is but it's not much is what i've heard so it's too much well, downside. The on problem,
0: i think yeah right. are you available bob <laughs> no <laughs> okay uh, uh, what what's uh, what's on your movie uh, list right now
3: Well, like I said, I I got caught up on all the Oscar seasons. So, you know, my favorite movies were Killers of the Flower Moon, of course. It's incredible. It's going to be on Apple Plus this Friday in America. I'm not sure back home where it's going to be available, but people should be able to see it uh, via streaming by now. The Holdovers is fantastic. Paul Giamatti film, of course. Alexander Payne's the writer and director. They work together on Sideways. Uh, Poor Things is really funny. It's out there. It's outlandish, but I really enjoyed it as well. Uh, So those are a few of my favorites from this year. Iron Claw is a really good wrestling drama. People have enjoyed that film from Zach Afron. So I think this is the time that people hear about all these year-end critics lists, right? Top 10 lists. They finally get to those movies. And then, of course, the Oscar nominations are coming up. That's January 23rd, which is the same day as the Baseball Hall of Fame announcement. So I'll be busy. I'll be seeing, you know, uh, Adrian Beltre go in the Hall of Fame and seeing if Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. is nominated for Best Actor.
0: So it's funny you say that because my wife and daughter, who have no interest in wrestling, both want to see Iron Claw. Yeah. They both want to see Ironclaw. And I'm going, Are you serious? I mean, I could go see Ironclaw. Yeah. But I i, I probably I, I used to think I'd have to go alone, but now I'm gonna actually bring some people with me. And the other one was, why did Napoleon bust so badly? Yeah, What that's
3: was a the good. story there? What was going on? I, so I I, I, I'm still looking forward to seeing it, but I just to form an opinion. You should see it, John, because I liked it. I'm with you. I, I saw the reviews, and it was mixed reviews at best. Rotten Tomatoes is an aggregate. 60% and above is positive. Anything below that is negative. A movie like The Pulling, you're expecting to get at least 80%, 85%. Big director, Ridley Scott. Obviously, Joaquin Phoenix is a major star. For perspective, Killers of the Flower Moon is like 93%. Holdovers is like 95%. Poor things, 95%. Napoleon's like 58%. You're like, oh my God, clearly the people didn't like this movie. And then there's also a aggregate audience meter, similar thought process, 60% and above is good. And the audience meter was 58%. So this was an example where the critics didn't like it, but the fans didn't. It's both critics and fans were kind of like wishy-washy at best. I got to tell you, I'm at the winter meetings in Nashville where nothing was happening. And on my downtime, of course, I saw I'll watch a movie. And because I'm fortunate to be a part of the Critics Choice Association, they send me the screener. So I get... Quite a few DVDs, which I still love, by the way, because I have a DVD player. So I love throwing on a DVD, but I also get sent via email. So I watched Napoleon like Tuesday night in my hotel in Nashville because I had no desire to go to Honky Tonk Way. And I got to tell you, John, I thought it was pretty good. Like I I can see what critics were saying. He kind of plays fast and loose with the facts and it kind of skips ahead with times and makes it a little bit silly. But the action sequences, which if you tell it to me, a Napoleon, I'm thinking it's going to have some great battle scenes. It has that. The Battle of Waterloo is wonderfully rendered, and I saw it on a laptop. I could imagine on a 70-millimeter screen I would be enraptured by it. So I, I'm with you. At least watch it to form an opinion because I didn't think it was that bad. I, I actually thought it was a good movie. I'm looking forward to seeing
0: it. I, I still am, I, even though it's been panned everywhere. Okay, yeah. finally, finally. Hurry up. The Philadelphia Eagles.
3: Yeah. What the heck, Adnan? <laughs> Come on. The amount of text messages I've had from Mark Askin just, just asking me what's going on <laughs> with my team. My God, 10-1 and one to a 1-5 and five finish. It's been incredibly painful. You know, especially that gauntlet they went through, those really tough six games. They beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. They beat the Bills. They lose the Niners. You go, okay, fine. They're the best team in the conference. They were ready for them. That happens. Cowboys in Dallas is a tough game. I get that. But once you lose to Seattle and you should beat Drew Locke, I know Seattle's a tough place to play. The Eagles have never beaten the Seahawks with Pete Carroll as head coach. Thank God he's not the coach anymore. But I get it. That happens. All right, fine. The get right games is where it got concerning. The Giants, you go, hey, you're going you're gonna to stop the Giants. No, Tyra Taylor almost led them to win. Like, it was, it came down to the last second play. Like, wait, that can't happen. And then they lost the Cardinals, which, again, I was driving back from Canada when I was listening to the game on the radio and almost drove off the road. I mean, that's when, when they went up 31 to 28 and there's two minutes left, He said the game's over because they haven't stopped the Cardinals once, and they scored three touchdowns in the second half, and then in two minutes, and it took like a minute to score that fourth touchdown, the game was over. That was the game. And then and then, and then this last game against the Giants, okay, you're probably not going to win the division because Dallas will stomp on Washington, but at least, again, get right. For your own team morale, let's have a strong win. And again, they look terrible, and we're down 24-0, and then Sirianni said, enough. I'm going to pull these guys. I'll tell you right now, I, I don't know gambling at all. I, I joke with friends, you know, my buddy Cabby's all about the he knows all this world. And I said, I said, the line's probably gonna be what, like bucks minus one and a half? He goes, No, the Eagles are gonna be favored. I'm like, are you joking? Like, are they not paying attention? He goes, the Bucks went nine and eight in a lousy division. I said, but they're at home and the Eagles have played terrible because it doesn't matter. I looked yesterday, Eagles minus three. I go, okay, this is why I don't gamble because I don't I I I think the Eagles might win, but it's gonna be a coin flip. And after that, they're gonna get stomped by the Niners. But your overarching point, John, as to what happened. Clearly, something happened with the coach. And and like Sirianni, they've tuned out. The coordinators are not as good as last year. I've heard some whispers. If they get beat by the Bucs, they get stomped. Sirianni's going to be out of a job. And don't be surprised. They make a big run at Bill Belichick.
0: Interesting. The the only thing I know is not the text. the only thing I know is not to text you on Monday night. That's all I know. Because I because no point because you won't reply anyway. Because you're gonna have that damn sweater on and your you know your Eagles toque and you're
3: gonna be focused. You're gonna be I've focused. got my Randall Cunningham Kelly Green twelve jersey ready to go. So you're a good oh, man. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. That's another. That's a it's a good point you make though, John. If friends that text you when you know they're watching their game. Like, like what, oh, yeah. what are you doing? Like, like why do you what are you bothering me for? Like I'm watching. Exactly. I'm busy. I am I am with you, man. Hey, have a great day. John, thank you so much, Bob. Once again, welcome back. Great to see you both.
1: Thanks, Adnan. Appreciate it. Bye, bye.
3: Ad- Adnan Verk, bon
0: vivant, movie critic, baseball guy, and Philadelphia Eagles fan. Back after this. You're never bored when you talk to Adnan, right, Bob? You're no, crazy, huh?
1: He has lots to say.
0: <laughs> he does. We you know. I on the radio. I remember when we brought him on, and you were shocked that I said we got to talk to him about movies. And in the end, that I became. Know. That became one of his calling cards, and it was. Uh, well, it was kind you of fun think of so?
1: I, you know, I, I appreciate the likes movies, but the truth is, I haven't seen a movie in a, over a year, so he loses me completely on that topic.
0: Really? Huh? Uh, unless you
1: watch, about- unless you've seen the movie, you have no no point of reference. Well,
0: this movie, conversation movie, about movie. them means nothing to you. Movies are coming back. Hey, quick thought on Keith Pelly. What would you think?
1: Well, um, it's not like I was anticipating it. But with Keith, you never know. He uh, he is, uh, I think he's the right guy for the job. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a very public viewpoint. In other words, he's uh, in the media a fair bit. His opinion will matter, and he'll make changes as he sees fit.
0: Well, the fascination for me is, and I don't think we've had clear delineation: is do Brendan Shanahan and Masai Ujiri report to him? I would think uh, so. <laughs> I would too. I have been told that is that is true, but that has not been confirmed. Um, and I mean, really, in many ways, this is the first profile guy that MLSC has had since Tim Laiwicki. Uh, and you know what, and, and at a certain point they got rid of Tim Laiwicki because he had too much of a high profile. So you have to wonder how that is going to be managed over the next little while. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled for Keith. I think he's leaving golf at the right time. And he is. I, Cause I think mean, that's true. And so, and to come home to a job that he has always coveted, uh, I think is, is fascinating. Now, he didn't want the news to be out this quickly. It was supposed to come out in about 10 days, just before the NHL All-Star game. But uh, the fact that it has happened, and we'll have to wait and see, and uh, I can guarantee at some point, Thing 1 will be back on the podcast.
1: Well, hopefully we, uh, that's Pelly, of course, Thing 1. I called him yesterday. I his uh, voicemail answered, so I have no idea what he's thinking or what he's doing or what his plans are,
0: except that I believe he was in Canada. No, he's uh, he's actually uh, he's actually in uh, the Middle East playing golf. Oh, oh is
1: he? Okay. In, uh,
0: last I heard, yesterday he was in Dubai on the fourth hole.
1: Oh, really well
0: he he was having he was actually he he was actually having a vacation he had a a 60th birthday party on the weekend uh, in suburban london he brought some friends over from canada um and that's where the story started to percolate that it was happening so it's no surprise the news got out no surprise the news got out and then um he went on a vacation thinking that it would actually come out in about seven to ten days and yeah. It came well, out a little quicker for him, so it'll, it'll be fascinating to see. I wish yeah, him well. Keith, Keith does a, an amazing job of getting better jobs every time he uh, changes jobs, and uh, I've got to, I've got to take that course from him. He's very good at it.
1: Yeah, he'd be Prime Minister next. That's the next place to go. That's it, Bob. That's a demotion.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, that's Robert McCowan. I'm John Shannon. Thanks for listening to the McCowan Podcast.